The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home. The place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Tuesday night edition of the show. Got some news to get to here with the hiring of Nick Nurse and a few others as well. And then got to talk about the Golden State Warriors offseason. And the Sacramento Kings as well have a really interesting decision with the number two pick. We'll talk a lot about that and what else they plan to do with their 15 to 20 million or so in cap space. Before we get to the news, though, I actually wrote something for the Athletic. Dun, 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 dun. I don't have music, but I feel like it needed some sort of pageantry. Yeah, well, I think it's a good news for both of us that you're only going to have to do that like once or twice a year when I actually write something. But uh, yeah, I took over the no defense team from Tim Kawakami, who now is the editor of The Athletic SF. Didn't have time to do it anymore, so I wrote that for The Athletic. You can check it out. It's uh, easily available there. The masses are raving about it. Somewhat similar to the episode that we did a little bit ago, but it's actually like well-written instead of just off the cuff. Got some more stats in there and whatnot. But let's get to the news first here. Nick Nurse is the new coach of the Toronto Raptors. Nurse had been an assistant under Dwayne Casey for many years. Don't know the contract situation there yet. Interesting that they are still working through those details. Is it going to be your standard four-year deal, fourth-year team option or not? You know, is it going to be, I mean, they have to pay Casey. Well, actually, no, they, it looks like they're not going to have to pay Casey really next year because he's getting $7 million a year from the Pistons, which is crazy, uh, according to Vincent Ellis. But for Nurse, th- this is kind of interesting. I mean, great for him. You know, I think he, he's credited with a lot of their advancements offensively this year, as we mentioned. So great for him. But for the Raptors, you know, I'm not sure that this is what they really thought they wanted when they moved on from Casey. Now, I think a big part of moving on from Casey was the idea that like he was agitating for an, not only just to not get fired, but for an extension and an extension off of that $6 million a year number that he was getting paid. And so they felt like if we're not sure that this is our guy, you know, kind of in similar fashion to George Carl back when he was agitating for an extension in Denver, maybe that was a, a bigger part of this than, you know, is really being talked about. But Mike Budenholzer was talked about. He was really the only guy on the market. And maybe David Fisdale would have been the other one. But Fisdale, I believe, had already agreed with the Knicks by the time that Casey was fired. So is this like a disappointment for the Raptors here? I'm not sure that it is just because... I didn't really see a ton of untapped like strategic thing. This was the big disagreement you and I had about firing Casey in the first place. And I guess they're giving Nurse a lot of the credit for the development that has happened with their young guys. I mean, Pascal Siakam in particular has really, really looked worlds better this year than in prior years. And Nurse has an interesting background. He's 50 years old, has a lot of head coaching experience in 
lower level. So he coached in the British Basketball League, also was the head coach for the Iowa Energy for, I believe, four seasons, and then the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, Houston's affiliate for two years before joining the Raptors as an assistant. So that that's kind of an interesting background. We haven't really seen that as much. I don't I don't think he's the first, but I believe he's among the first to make that sort of a transition. And I'm going to be fascinated to see tactically how he's different from Dwayne Casey. You know, obviously from a personality standpoint, yeah. relationship with well, players, well, everybody's different. You know, but... I mean, to me, it's more like Casey got fired because he wasn't good enough tactically in the playoffs, right? So I, I don't know that we'll right. know that uh, from Nurse. But I mean, there as we talked about, there's a lot of things that Casey was doing in the playoffs that didn't make much sense. So uh, we'll see whether, I mean, Nurse was on Casey's staff. Was he saying hey uh Dwayne you should do it this way and Casey was ignoring him or maybe you didn't feel comfortable suggesting some of the stuff that we were saying at the time was uh, some of the right things to do in that Cleveland series but yeah I, I don't know and we won't really know until the playoffs whether this move has worked or not now if they win 43 games next year you could say it probably didn't work but uh, so I I don't really know that much about Nurse. The fact that he spent time in in Houston system is always a good thing to me. Uh, I, I think that they coaches really can learn a lot from being in Houston system. Although I guess they did have JB Bickerstaff there too, uh, so perhaps that's uh, overstated a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I think, but it, it is a little bit of a difficult sell from a PR standpoint for Toronto that they didn't really get someone who you know looks like a clear upgrade and, and is someone who is still providing some continuity but it makes sense to me i mean they have a lot of good things going on here uh and i mean you'll recall that years and years ago uh, some of the best coaches in nba history have been assistants who were elevated when the initial coach was fired phil jackson pat riley etc so greg popovich was in the organization already so i don't that doesn't preclude nick nurse from being a great coach by any means i think we can go from here to what i you and i talked about it back when the cba was signed was one of the biggest mistakes that was made was that they sort of fixed the extension system for guys at the lower end of the scale with what we call the josh richardson extension where you can get up to the the estimated average salary and for high-end players with the designated veteran contract building off the designated rookie contracts. The NBA did not fix the extension system other than maybe some flexibility in terms of, you know, dates and things like that for everybody else. And we're seeing two situations where one where it matters a lot more, where players who are talented enough but not going to get probably the designated veteran are not going to sign extensions, at least not right now. And the big one of those is Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, you know, it had been speculated, I mean, you and I probably talked about it at some point, that it didn't make sense for him to sign an extension. And he said, he was asked about it and said, no, contractually or financially, it just wouldn't make any sense. And Kyrie Irving is right. He is right. Because, you know, he could get that Blake Griffin contract, 30% of the salary cap, five years, if he were simply to wait 120% of what he's making now, he's giving up a, a lot of money. Now we'll see what kind of a year he has next year and whether he's actually over his injury problems. But I think even if I were advising him, I would say, you know, you probably don't want to take this one, especially because it's just there's a value to simply just getting to free agency and being a free agent when you're that caliber of player of just, you know, not having to lock in and maybe your situation changes and you can pick your destination if you need to. I do agree with you that why not just make the extension system where you can just pay a guy you know whatever you could have paid him with full bird rights but there certainly is a need to some extent to save teams from themselves and that said this is only a temporary problem because the cap went up so much so you've got guys like irving who 
signed his extension that kicked in in 2015 and recall irving also has less reason to do an extension because he's got that player option next year as well so even if things go horribly wrong he still has an extra year of security so you're really only tacking on you know another three years at not that much of money rather than four but for guys like irving draymond green who signed their contracts back in 2015 the hundred and 20 percent of what they're making now doesn't quite get them to where they need to be clay thompson is another one of these guys because the cap has gone up so much but once you get to guys who signed in 2016 the cap hasn't gone up too much since then and if you can go 120 percent on top of what they started at they started the 25 percent max on what will be a similar cap and then they get the eight percent raises so they're jumping up quite a bit there and now you can go 20 percent on top of that you're probably going to be able to get these guys basically up to the max of what they could be making anyway so i i think this problem it'll still exist to some degree and it'll exist for guys who have really really outperformed their second contract but for guys who already got the max or close to it it shouldn't be as much of an issue i don't think going forward once those 2015 2014 salaries kind of are priced out of the system with the passage of time yeah they'll be reduced but not eliminated i was just just thinking about victor oladipo i mean we don't know where he's going from here but i think he gets about 21 a year and so theoretically i think he would be a little bit short on, on his there there will be yeah. some but and, you're and right his that contract it will be, doesn't go there'll be the exception he, he's uh right but but even that you know it, 20% on top of that that's not too bad for him and, and we'll see bad. where he but, is but so, as a player at that point and and the other reason it bothers me is just because it was it's a correctable thing but I, I it, there is this balance as you said protecting owners from themselves so you have to get you have to get into all that kind of stuff but let's talk about the other one briefly Draymond Green this isn't really the time that an extension would have probably happened for him anyway, because when you have two more years remaining, the maximum you can add on a contract is five years, but the remaining years count. So that would mean it would only add three years and 72 million. I'm sure the Warriors would be very happy to mitigate their risk a little bit. But for Draymond Green at this point, you know, I think that he could he can expect to do a little bit better than that. Maybe he could agree to an extension, even if he doesn't qualify for the Supermax. I'm not even sure the Warriors would pay him, you know, even above 30% if he qualified. But I, I highly still, suspect you, he would. Right. So, I mean, that that was kind of the auspices like, oh, I'm waiting to see with that. But either way, like th- there isn't just much, enough of it. He's not mitigating enough risk at this point. And so, yeah, it's not a surprise that he's not willing to do it. We'll see what's happening with Clay Thompson. Marcus Thompson has already reported about the possibility, like the negotiations that could happen. I've written about this extensively at The Athletic as well for those who are interested in Clay's situation. But Draymond, you know, he could he can make his own conversation. But I think that's more of a, a 2019 conversation than a 2018 conversation. Yeah, the article from Chris Haynes, a little bit of it uh, uh, coming from Draymond and his camp was revisionist history to me. You'll recall that he signed for five for 82, didn't get a player option, absolutely could have gotten the Mac if he had been out in restricted free agency. And so what he says now is, well, you know, I knew that the reason I agreed to that was that I was wanted to leave room for Kevin Durant. I like did all the calculations myself, which, you know, I guess when BJ Armstrong is your agent, you probably have to do that. But he, I think Draymond's exact quote was something along the lines of like, well, a lot of guys rely on their agent to do that, but like I really take an interest in it or something, uh, which kind of made me laugh. But my recollection was he agreed to the five for 82 after Tristan Thompson was reported to have agreed to that and then actually ended up not agreeing to that until much later. And there was some amount of fractiousness to those negotiations. It's not like the Warriors were like, oh, hey, Draymond, we'll pay you the max. No problem. And he's like, oh, no, no, I'll actually take 82 million. Like, that's not the way it happened. Uh, 
And he even said, like, I didn't tell them that, like, I thought we could get Kevin Durant at that point. And now the reporting is, well, he doesn't really, and this will obviously work in a little bit with our Golden State offseason too, but this idea that, like, you know, now he really wants to get designated player veteran extension eligible, and that would be a five-year, $220 million contract. But the Warriors wouldn't have to offer that to him at that point. He would still be under contract for another year. So it probably would just go, if that was his demand, that that's the only thing he would agree to. I mean, I wouldn't even want to go five years for him on just about any contract, not to mention one that's going to be paying him like $45 million in the fifth year, probably more than that at that point, to, for his age 30 through 34 seasons. I mean, that would be a disaster contract. I mean, I, I, I restrict Draymond Green's game more than anyone, but you know the guy is 6'6 and he's undersized and while he still showed he could bring it defensively he wasn't able to bring it defensively in the regular season it was really only in the playoffs and so we'll see now if he's really gunning for that designated player veteran extension eligibility that could be a good sign for the Warriors in the regular season next year because he'll be pretty locked in I think kind of as he goes defensively in large part the team goes and so they'll play better defense in theory and and hopefully have a better record but there's just there's no way like you i said this before about the nuggets paying the tax like i will dye my hair warriors blue and yellow if he gets the full designated player veteran extension from the it's like that is just not gonna happen my how about michigan state green and white oof, my dad won't be happy with that actually both my parents so no they, they, will, <laughs> they will not appreciate that i used to love michigan actually back back in the fab five days and that was i was all about that you know the uh, indiscretions of youth i suppose so i, I just thought that was interesting uh, for draymond's standpoint and i think it also would be an interesting parlor game of simply does he actually make more than 72 million over those three years for his age 30 to 32 season that that would be extremely interesting to me like i think there's actually a decent chance that maybe he doesn't make that although that 2020 off season should have a lot of cap space in it but you never know this, this nba general managers are pretty good at eating up any cap space in advance yeah if if there's cap space in 2019 there will not be much cap space in 2020 <laughs> yeah. uh, i mean there are them's the, them's yeah, the there rules. are a lot of guys who come off the books but like you could see a lot of these guys get stretched and you know some of these bad contracts that were signed in 2016 coming off in 2020 all right that yeah. Uh, I, I haven't started I haven't started my 2019 work, but I have a feeling on where that kind of stuff is going to go. Um, this is a really interesting one. I don't recall seeing this type of article before, but Woj basically said that Thaddeus Young in Indiana is considering declining his player option to become a free agent, which that's interesting news. I mean, you know, usually pretty much anyone would consider whether to decline or opt in. But it basically the way I read that is his agent doesn't really have a great idea for what it's going to look like for him this offseason we talked about it's hard to find a suitor for young that can pay him more than the mid-level maybe he could be a sign and trade candidate or maybe this is also a way to try and put a little more pressure on to get indiana to give him an extension which he is eligible for up until and actually if he opted in he could be eligible for an extension all next year as well so a lot of moving parts there i mean he is probably the guy even with the lack of cap space about to turn 30 or he might even be 30 now where he's just right on the borderline of okay if he opts out does he want to sign for the full mid-level exception somewhere again there's not that many places for the full mid-level exception but Thaddeus Young is a guy who's proven he can stay on the floor defensively against some of the best teams he's an iffy three-point shooter but enough that you have to guard him out there a lot of the time like he, he is definitely a modern player we've talked about how the modern game has kind of evolved to fit his skill set since he was drafted back in 07 so this is this is really interesting and i think the ultimate for him would be 
either opting out and like being able to re-sign with the Pacers for you know a few more years at the same annual value he's making now he's do about 13 million maybe 13.9 i think next year and that's really what this is about i think for him is he doesn't want to get out there on the market i'd be a little scared you know you don't don't just don't know what's going to happen with the draft i mean we'll have more information about that later but isn't really necessarily want to go to a bad team so he just wants the pacers to up and pay him and and we'll see whether they want to do that you know i i could go another year maybe at 13 million for young and then you get you start wondering about whether he's going to be able to continue to be a starter beyond maybe two years from now um so that's just going to be a fascinating one to see what ends up happening and so with young let's say the offer on the table for another team is the mid-level exception so the full non-taxpayer mle that would be a four-year deal worth 36.8 million so if you compare that to declining his option or to picking up his option that adds three years and 23 million versus what he would make this year so one of the questions that he should be asking himself is does he think he can get a three-year 23 million dollar deal next summer and you you said about the thing about his age it makes sense that you were confused because he's 29 now but turns 30 before free agency starts so he so this is going to be his age 30 season i think he could probably get more than 323 but i don't feel great about it just considering how even though the power forward position is not as impacted as center he's a straight four now he's not a three and that's the yeah. position of real but he value can so. switch which is which is the important part sure. but how much is he gonna yeah, be able and, to do and that? you and i yeah. both like him how much is he gonna be yeah, able to do so, that as he as he gets older now there's gonna be more money next year blah blah, blah you know but i i think probably and Indiana, you know, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with them. They have this such variation in their cap sheet of like, you know, they could have as much as $40 million and they could have, you know, kind of right around like 10 or so, depending on what happens with all these player ops. We already know Corey Joseph has opted in already. So actually, yeah, 40 might be a little bunch now. Um, and we actually haven't done their offseason preview yet. We we're kind of waiting to see what would happen with Young before we did that. But it's going to be fascinating. I, I think probably the best thing would be, you know, maybe maybe he could agree to, you know, a two-year opt-in to the last year of his contract and then maybe a two-year extension beyond that. And then maybe, you know, like a, a partially guaranteed third year at you know maybe a little bit of a reduction from what he's making now that would seem about fair to me uh given this market and it sucks for young because if this were 2016 he'd be getting 20 million a year right now you know i mean it's really it's tough for him and i think he's a really good player but just you know that's that's what happens when you go from 30 to 32 and you're just a solid starter usually by 32 you're not really a starter what do we got next here do you want to do the voice No, I think I think I probably already used it on on Jody Meeks. You did, you did. So Jody Meeks picked up his, I think it was three point five million player option, and that's not a surprise, partially because he's also missing. I think it's the first nineteen yes. games of the of the upcoming season due to a suspension. So he will not get paid during that time, and that actually lowers, if my memory is correct, and correct me if I'm wrong, that lowers their luxury tax burden as yes. well. So congratulations, Wizards. But he's another guy on their book, yeah. so I believe so, so that if you're makes in the, if you're 10. in the tax uh narc on your average to below average players if they're doing peds that's the lesson here apparently apparently so so that's there and then the other piece of news that we have the final piece of news lonzo ball underwent a prp shot for his left knee he stayed off that knee for about a month to let it heal he missed the final eight games of regular season if you'll remember and he has now returned to resume basketball related activities i never expected him to play in summer league i still do not expect him to play in summer league but 
you know, you always kind of keep a mental log of what guys have dealing with with their lower bodies in particular. Well, and you'll recall that he had that knee strain that kept him out for over a month in the middle of the year. He came back. Then, of course, remember he was playing like batshit insane minutes, like 41 minutes a game, just for no reason at all when they had nothing to play for. And then he had that knee contusion on that same knee. And that apparently caused some problems. You, you mentioned he missed the last eight games of the regular season. But do you have to just, to again, like, he's got to stay off of it for a month? I mean, this is just some weird kind of injuries. And then you get into LeVar Ball's commentary about how this guy, Gunnar Peterson, who Magic Johnson brought in, who is most famous for training a bunch of celebrities, but had worked with athletes as well. And LeVar Ball is saying, like, how, oh, yeah, like, these all these methods and stuff, all this band stuff, like, doesn't do anything. Like, you know, he's got to really, like, pump some iron, which, and, uh, you know, you definitely have heard a few things about how that is not, like, the greatest staff there in terms of uh, a strength and conditioning staff. But, you know, I, I'll take the, the bands and the stability stuff over just, like, you know, go squat 500 pounds, Lonzo Ball. Like, that's nice to be able to do that, but that's not really, like, where we're at right now in terms of like injury prevention and core strength and and explosiveness but it's just it's troubling i mean he's had this left knee has been really troublesome and it's just something to keep an eye on you know i mean so many of these guys like you remember like jaleel okafor right like had at the time people weren't saying like oh man this guy had a terrible rookie year as you'll recall and then he had this injury with the meniscus and and then you know when they tried to trade him afterwards supposedly he didn't necessarily fail a physical as the tweets alleged but perhaps new orleans just nixed it based on what his medical record said and he really just hasn't been the same guy and he hasn't even really been able to score the way he did as a rookie and so a lot of times we just kind of forget about these injuries for young players and then it's like oh johnny flynn is another one of those guys right it's just like oh this guy didn't work out it's like well yeah but maybe it's because he was never healthy or he had a career-altering injury i'm not suggesting this is necessarily the same for lonzo yet but it, it has been troublesome so let's do a quick read and then we can get to the warriors offseason I've been absolutely loving my Sonos system, which was set up extremely easily by their up and running service with no games in the evenings. I actually have time for a little TV or movies, and I've never been more fired up to watch movies at home with the awesome home theater sound of Sonos. We've got the play bar. We've got their sub in the living room watched some star trek the next generation just now before i i recorded that intro sounds amazing on the sonos uh, all of you tng dorks know what i'm talking about and then last night we had some friends over play a little card against, against humanity and uh, one of my friends is a great dj she really cares about the music and so she because she has the sonos app on her phone was able to just hack right into our sonos and control the music from her own phone you know so that was just incredibly easy i'm not like a huge dj at parties and so she really cares about that so she was able to put up a great soundtrack for us and so with father's day coming up sonos and spotify have got you covered you'll want to go to this unique url fathersday.sonos.com and that'll get you a code for 15 percent off the usual code is 10 so 15 percent off with this one you just create a custom spotify playlist to send to dad at that fathersday.sonos.com url select your favorite artist and the year you're born then you do the same for dad and spotify will generate the perfect playlist to bridge the generation gap i'm gonna have to throw a little Mannheim steamroller on there for my pop section <laughs> uh and then you can get that 15% off when you create your playlist again at fathersday.sonos.com. The playlist generator expires June 17th and terms and conditions apply. Did you go to the parade today? I did. I walked the route for the first time ever. I didn't, I wasn't on 
I didn't have access to do that the last two times. And so I, for the first hour and a half, I followed Nick Young and JaVale McGee, and then I kind of milled around and watched other things. It was nuts. What was like that weird challenge that you referenced that they did? The cinnamon challenge. Yeah. Did did they do that? No, I don't believe they did. (laughs) They had a lot of champagne poured on them. So I guess that's a different challenge, but I don't know exactly how that challenge works. (laughs) But it was, it's, I, I think what, what is fun as somebody who has covered teams of varying qualities over the years, I, I think that the finals are such an interesting thing because these players and teams have generally like whatever whatever constraints they're putting on themselves, like for some guys that's, you know, not drinking or certain foods or whatever like that, they let it, all their physical and emotional stuff come out at that one point. And so it's just it's interesting because it's like really the only time in, in a year where everybody's really kind of open and and happy i mean genuinely happy in that sort of a sense so it's it's interesting to see it i recommend if you're if for fans if your team ever wins and you have the opportunity to go to the parade go once at at minimum it's it's a it's an interesting experience so yeah i mean it was it was certainly crazy and and i liked watching the first first time guys i think that's the most fun part of it everybody else has kind of been there before but those guys were going completely insane you just wrote a piece on what kevin durant's contract options are he has said multiple times first reported by anthony slater three months ago that he said he would be back there have been like a few odd stories about how he was like kind of disconnected from the team and then like bob myers after saying at a, a presser yesterday that kd can have whatever contract he wants had like some weird comments today did you see that like how weird was that with the that bob myers like joke about kd I was not there for okay. that, but from what I've heard, Slater wrote a good piece on it. I think what made the situation more awkward was that Bob Fitzgerald did not let it go, and so then it became a different thing. Like Bob, Bob Myers is much better at just like making a one-liner and then walking away from it, and then it kind of became a different thing. So I don't read too much into that. I mean, Durant. No, I mean, remember Steve Kerr at, at last year's championship celebration just forgot to even mention Steph Curry. So uh, I, I guess yeah. they have one, of and these he was gaps. a free agent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. So that's why Clay should sign his extension so he doesn't get snubbed in the tro- – and if they win the title next year, he doesn't get snubbed or joked about in the presentation. So what then can Kevin Durant do as far as his option? So the situation is actually very similar for a different reason to LeBron in 2016. So LeBron, it was two years after he had jumped back to the Cavs, and the cap had risen so quickly that – the only way for LeBron to get his full maximum salary for that 2016-17 season was to sign using early bird rights. The problem is with early bird rights, you cannot sign a one-year contract and option years don't count. So you can't like sign a one plus one and then opt out of it. That's not the way it works. And so Durant basically needs to choose between early bird where he can get up to the max of the 35% max because he has 10, he has more than 10 years of experience. I think this was his 11th year. So he could do that for two to four years. Or he could do a one-year deal using non-bird rights that would be at about $30 million. So it would be about a $5 million difference from what he could make this year using early bird. But he would gain the flexibility to sign up to a full bird 35% maximum contract, assuming it were offered next summer. So really, for me, the, the question that's fascinating about this with Durant is, what does he want? Because if he wants to be a warrior for the rest of his career he can kind of set the table for that with the early bird rights though that are sorry with non-bird rights but if he wants to do you know maybe have a little bit more flexibility and i wrote this in the piece my prediction not having talked with him or anything at all is that he actually ends up doing a two plus one though a three plus one would be realistic as well because then he can get out on the market he will have been a warrior for four or five years 
and just see what comes to pass. And that would be, I believe, his age 32 or 33 summer. And we're seeing guys around that age have really productive seasons. LeBron is around that age right now, Al Horford, J.J. Redick. And so maybe he's ready for either a new commitment with the Warriors or something new. Yeah, and the key thing here is that he probably would want to just sign another one plus one, but because he took so little last year, now he can only get that 120%. So he'd be costing himself about $3 million this year to do that one plus one. If you're going to, because to fulfill his early bird rights, which will get it, can get him back up to the max from the $26 million or so he had last year, then it has to be uh, at least a two-year deal. So, And so that's why I think the two plus one, as you posited in your piece, makes the most sense. So, so KD almost certainly will be back, probably for the max. I think we can make that assumption. It's been said that that's kind of, he's not going to take a discount. I think he had a quote relatively to that effect. So now they've got Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala, Draymond, Clay, KD making 35, Steph Curry making 37. I'm not sure, actually, I'd be curious to know, none come to mind off the top of my head of players or, or teams that had two players making the 35% max on the same team, you know, that they actually signed to those contracts, uh, like Steph and KD are. Now, obviously, they're both worth that. So then remaining on the rosters, well, you've got Damian Jones on the third year of his rookie contract already. Jordan Bell, who has one year left on his contract, then he'll be a restricted free agent. He's making the minimum. And Quinn Cook also making the minimum for next year, who was signed after 2A. And he's all of those are fully guaranteed. They've got the 28th pick in the draft. Remember that even though they won the championship, it's based on regular season record, the draft order. That's got a $1.6 million hold. And then Pat McCaw, his cap hold will be about 1.7 million as a restricted free agent we'll see where he ends up going but you know i i I would guess that he probably comes back for something you know maybe like three million or something like that um depending on what other kind of interest there is for him i don't think after the rough you just had so that's assuming all those guys are back you're going to throw in a a projected three million for macaw they're at a team salary of 146 million dollars that means that they are already 24.5 million over the tax and would have a 62 million dollar tax payment if they were to use the full mid-level exception or the i'm sorry the full mini mid-level exception now you are at 29 million over the tax 80 million in tax paid so you're basically using that 5.3 million dollar full mid-level exception or i'm sorry full taxpayer mid-level exception that's going to cost you if you're joe laco about 23 million bucks in salary and luxury tax and so a lot of a a lot of speculation has been on who's going to get that contract well not really sure and now you throw in an additional and that's still only 10 players so now you let's say you throw in just you know another five guys at the minimum you know conservatively that's maybe six million dollars maybe probably more than that probably seven million now you are at that seven million bumps you up another 34 million dollars in tax so your team salary plus tax next year before they're even in the new arena by the way is 271 million dollars which would be easily the largest payroll in nba history with a tax payment of 114 million dollars so that's and then even if they take off and don't use any of that mid-level you're still looking at 245 million 92 million dollar luxury tax payment those are absolutely batshit staggering number uh and i'd be interested to see whether they are willing to use that tax pyramid level or not it's also a big challenge for the warriors because they don't really have much money tied up in 
non-functional players. So yeah. there are four all-stars. Iguodala. Iguodala's making 16, but I mean, considering his role and everything else, it would be hard to imagine them trading him. Livingston might be a little bit more fungible. Yeah. I could see him maybe but- if he just totally is ineffective next year maybe they would just move him at the deadline you know you could see something like that but even Livingston you know he's a vet like he's valuable in the playoffs like they uh, even if he's ineffective through February he gets injured or something he's actually been extremely durable since coming to the Warriors in part because they've managed his minutes well and and he's one of the few kind of like wing facsimiles they have on this roster as currently constructed you know Livingston came in as a point guard but in a lot of ways he functions as a two or even a three in the Warriors system so he provides value there that would actually be really hard for them to replace because the Warriors have high-end you know they have high-end perimeter players but then they don't have a ton of depth there we'll see what happens with Pat McCaw so yeah I mean the cost mitigation options are very very limited but so you mentioned Durant I think we've gone through him in pretty pretty good detail to me the next two most interesting free agents for them are McCaw and Kavon Looney and so Looney had his fourth year option because he's a rookie scale guy had that fourth year option decline and ended up playing, you know, playing in the playoffs, having having a, a regular role in the rotation. So the Warriors can bring him back and theoretically would have full bird rights after he comes back, but are restricted to only paying him no more than the amount of the option they declined. So that's a little bit over $2.2 million. So maybe that's enough to keep him. Maybe it's not. We don't really know. But that's all as far as they can go. There is no way around that. They can't use the mid-level. They can't do anything else. That's just the line. It's the same thing with Orlando and Mario Hazonia. And... I don't know if that's going to be enough for him, but that that one's pretty interesting to me. Yeah, and it'd be interesting whether he wanted to return either. I mean, clearly you would think some other center is going to be brought in just to have some sort of a veteran option. I mean, the tea leaves, I mean, pretty much even Steve Kerr is just saying there's going to be big changes to the roster. Nick Young, very unlikely to be back. Zaza, you've said that you think he's going to be back. I don't believe that he will be um you know david west it's really weird to me like i would think i would that if i were them i would want to bring him back like have him be the one veteran option at center although there's probably a feeling that if you have him you need to play him uh because he's just that sort of like respected type of vet uh mcgee seems unlikely that he's going to be back as well and maybe one of those three guys could be back looney uh, let's talk about looney i mean you think he gets more than what the warriors can do now the warriors could give him a one plus one which could make it a little bit more palatable and then he could opt out and they could resign him for more but you know if i'm kevon looney i mean he's not a guy who seems like he has that much upside i don't the idea of like okay i signed for one more and then i can get you know the austin rivers not that much obviously but you know a nicer payout going forward because with the full bird rights that they would still have if they get past this one year restriction since they declined his option well this team's gonna be taxed out like crazy again like they're not just not gonna be giving out big money to a player like him well not only that 2019-20 is their first year in the repeater yeah so yeah i think with looney the financial upside isn't there and it's reasonable to think that his opportunity will be less in 2018-19 on the warriors than it was this past year so if as long as you get something reasonable i would probably go i don't know if that's going to happen we've talked about how limited the market is it's it's only takes one team but it's hard to predict who that is he has i think his 
switchability is a little bit overrated. We've talked about this well, a, a lot on the NBA show team and also in this. Too, where he doesn't have all these right. great defensive players. Exactly. And and he does execute the scheme and, and he's also super, super limited offensively. So I mean maybe there's maybe a hope that, that he can become a better shooter and, and could blossom a yeah, little bit more sure. when he's like he's given a chance to he has shown some passing in the past. But yeah, I mean in terms of what he's given this team, I mean, you know, he, he did pretty good work defensively in that Rocket series, but you know, Jordan Bell, I think, is a superior player in, in most aspects and has higher upside and, most importantly, is under contract for the moon. And also, and McCaw- Bell, again, if we're talking about Looney's long-term future here, Bell is a restricted free agent next year, so he'll probably get at least something pretty good uh, if he sticks around. And then, you know, you're, if you're paying Jordan Bell, you're definitely not paying Kevon next year. So I, I think if I were advising Looney, I would probably want to go to another team unless he just like loves it there so much. Like, but I mean, he's got to make his money in in his career. So if he has even it, you know, even an offer kind of around the same amount of money as the Warriors were offering, I think I probably would just leave and, and try to build my career a little more. He's never really going to get a chance to blossom on the team. I don't think we don't have a ton to talk about with McCaw. The big question is just going to be what is his market? Who's interested? He's restricted. Arenas limited. Not that the arenas limitation is going to matter with Patrick McCaw. Just dealt with this scary back injury and. I mean, he had some buzz last year as kind of a small piece in the big machine for the Warriors, but just had a pretty much a lost season. So I could see a team late in the process, like let's say we're July 20th or July 15th, and they have some money to burn, just saying like, hey, we can do an offer there, especially if it's a Western Conference team. But it's hard to say, oh, well, he's our guy, because if you're sitting there going, well, he's you know more of a support player, not really as dynamic as you'd want with the ball in his hands, not a great switch defender because he's a little bit smaller and thinner for sure than you would like for there. So he has value in certain circumstances, but I don't, it's hard to see a team just falling in love with him with what he's shown. Yeah. McCaw at this point in time, he's 22, but I think one thing that helps him in the restrictive free agency process is, especially if the Warriors do use a fair amount of that mini mid-level exception. Now there's the idea of like, and if they get a player on the wing who, who is going to be in the rotation, McCaw becomes a lot more expendable. And, and if you offer, you know, four million or five million, like, do the Warriors really want to pay another twenty-five million bucks in salary and taxes just to keep Patrick McCall on? Eh, seems pretty unlikely, right? So you'd think that he'd it could be gettable. I mean, if, if you were the Warriors, you know, we've asked this with a lot of restricted free agents. What would your offer be to him you know, as kind of a starting point to keep him out of restricted? I think it would be somewhere in terms of annual value, about two and a half. Yeah for a cup for however many years they feel comfortable with two or three presumably well so so would you and would, what would you think of like you know two years six million second year team option so you could put him back into restriction if i'm macaw if i'm macaw or if well, i'm if you're the warriors and then you know do you think he might actually take them? i would definitely offer that i mean if you get the flexibility of a team option on the second side you could put him back into restricted right. free agency that to, if i they were love McCaw, to do I, that. I wouldn't yeah, i mean team teams I, to do that. I, they do and if i were macaw I mean, the agent obviously has a lot of legwork to do. I don't, I think that's too big a sacrifice in terms of flexibility. It is worth noting, though, that the qualifying offer would be, if you did that structure, the qualifying offer would be very high, even if, if they declined the option with the idea of bringing him back. Right. That would actually be pretty limiting. But I think I would probably 
turn that down and just because I I think I could probably get like two, two and a half. And then if it was with another team, then you become an unrestricted free agent. So you gain that flexibility moving forward. And it's not like the Warriors have a ton of playing time for him at the current moment. And they could get somebody else on the perimeter rotation that would narrow that even further. Yeah, I mean... Is it just he's got this like Warriors halo around him that he's going to get these offers? I mean, the guy was injured and had a sub replacement level year last year, and he's got some potential. He showed something as a rookie, couldn't hit a shot last year. You know, what's the real McCaw? Tough to say. But I mean, for a player who had, had that kind of season, $3 million in guaranteed money for one year is, you know, and then that high qualifying offer, that's, that's actually not bad. I mean, I think that's probably where I would come in if I were the Warriors. Let's turn now. Just, yeah. Oh wait, I'll make a I'll make a quick thing on the other free agents. We we you rattled through them, but what I would what I'm kind of thinking with those guys is that the Warriors say if you want the minimum, we'll talk, but that's all you're getting, you know, yeah. to any of those guys. And so if Zaza is willing to take the minimum, sure, you know, then then he can be there. The term I'm using is innings eater. You know, it's like one of those pitchers who you know he's not great, but you kind of know what you're going to get from him. And in the regular season, the Warriors need those guys. In the playoffs, they do not. And so Pachulia is actually pretty perfect for it because he's already done it so they could go after they could probably have one guy in that role and why it makes sense to if they can to get a guy for the minimum with that is because that player doesn't really need to be a part of their playoff rotation so i would say you should try to pay if you're going to pay somebody pay somebody who could potentially be a part of the playoff rotation yeah i suspect that will not be their approach i don't know that it would be my approach either steve kerr has been talking a lot about how they expect to have a younger roster how they expect that the 28th pick is going to be someone who's going to get a lot of playing time that they're just going to rely on those young guys try to develop them and i think that's the right approach because they just have to get more talent in on the middle I and mean, we see what their luxury tax bill is right now we see what it's going to be in the future i mean you just need like those roster slots to just like you got to develop contributors like if you can't develop contributors who are going to be on cheap contracts you're going to be in trouble if you're the Warriors. and so i think spending a roster spot on a guy who is unlikely to be in your playoff rotation is kind of rough i mean i think i i've always i think kind of valued west's contributions maybe more even than the warriors have so and he's the best player of all those guys so that's why i, I might think about him but we'll see there should we turn to just like who some of their free agent options would be here sure i think there are two basic paths for if assuming they use or they consider using the tax pyramid level so one is a perimeter player and since they have quinn cook and sean livingston we're talking more a, a two three or four small forward being ideal but also the smallest supply so the rule that i'm using there is the best small forward willing to take their money I call Trevor Reza the unrealistic dream because that yeah. would be a huge financial sacrifice for There's him. There's just no way. If he wants to do it, if he wants to do it, so be it. I don't expect it. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, I've been surprised it's before. It's nearly identical, except the Warriors have even less in terms of assets to offer. As with Iguodala last year, right? The Rockets have full bird rights. They're likely to stay over the cap in whatever they end up doing. So they can offer Ariza much more. And we were talking about him getting something along the lines like, you know, 25 to 30 million in guaranteed money. And the Warriors, even if they offered the full three years that you can under the minimum mid-level, that's, you know, 17 million. So it just, unless he's like, oh, I really want to go play for the Warriors. Oh, and not start, by the way. Uh, yeah, that seems rather unlikely. Uh, who else you got here as potential options? Nemanja Bialica, if the T-Wolves decide to spend their money under the tax in a different way. Luke Richard and Bob Mute, 
Joe Harris, Gerald Green, which would be funny to replace Nick Young with Gerald Green. And then on the kind of the lower end, James Ennis, or maybe GR3 is more of a kind of lottery ticket. If they, I, I would say like he's a taxpayer mid-level guy, but just like as, as a small forward option that they could bring in and maybe he'd be interested in the opportunity. Yeah, and they would love to get guys with, who've got some more athleticism off the bench as well. Jamal Crawford has been mentioned as they just want someone to be that bench score that they're hoping Nick Young would be this year and did not become. I think he would be just an awful fit because he can't defend well enough to- he can't play in the rotation like that that would be a yeah. real a real misread of the market because the whole point if they're going to use the tax pyramid level for me is to get a guy who you can give at least 10 minutes to per game against the rockets and the celtics or the sixers whoever makes it out the other side yeah try try so 20 that is your game. threshold I mean, you're, you're paying this guy sure that'd be great 25 million for this guy like you did damn well better uh so um wayne ellington is kind of right on the borderline of that i mean he's a good enough shooter and spacer and is a guy who isn't like an amazing score but would be a great fit as far as someone who works off of screens and uses shooting gravity defensively and you know kind of a question can he switch on to james harden or chris paul you know i'm not really sure you know, so someone along the lines of an ennis i think would be very interesting and bob mute especially to take him away from the rockets who of course have their own tax problems i think is pretty useful even mike beasley you know i mean they've had some success with these kind of like knucklehead sort of guys just to, as a scorer off the bench might be someone i would look at if i were them i don't think we're gonna see like you know a vince carter type of you know not that level of that coming in but yeah i mean certainly on the wing you know tyreek evans has been talked about a little bit you know maybe that's another one where all right the mystique of the warriors you just would want to come there will barton will almost certainly be out of their price range anyone else come to mind for you at all here not at the small forward spot i'll mention on the center so if they went the mini mid-level route the most interesting in some ways would be that by the way i'd be shocked if they did too the most interesting would probably be aaron baines i I think baines could fit in and be a better version you know and I, i think he could actually play rotation minutes so he could fit in with that there are a bunch of like center guys that would be intriguing on the warriors for that but i think they'd be more in the middle in the minimum market there and you're just seeing who takes your money and maybe they even throw like light partial guarantees at a couple of guys and just see who makes it out of the scrum one of the big questions for the warriors big man spots is can damian jones play any minutes because if you talked about how they don't want to burn he'll a roster a spot on like a player. Yeah, he'll get a shot, but whether he, you know, if if they feel comfortable with him being like the third big man versus the fourth, that's very important in terms of the assets that they're throwing yeah. at the position. I don't think he can play so, any minutes against Houston though. Like he's just too jumpy. Right. He's not like- unless he looks a whole lot better in summer league this year than he did last year. And I don't even know if he's going to play summer league. So we have all that. The other thing we should talk about briefly with them is the Clay Thompson extension stuff. Marcus Thompson has written about this. The short version is since Clay is not designated veteran eligible, he the biggest contract he could sign would add four years and a hundred and two point one million there. While there might be you know, maybe he could even come in at less than that. If that contract is available, I think the Warriors should be thrilled if he signs it because that's about twenty five million a year. And I think Thompson will age reasonably well and that wouldn't get into really the, you know, deep past prime years. So it's Clay's decision to make. If he wants to take it, he can take it. If he doesn't want to, then you wait another year. Anyone else who you think might be available for the minimum who could be on here to, to join this team? I mean, we've seen them bat pretty well for the minimum in recent years. Yeah, I 
so the center market is, I think, the really interesting one here, where just if somebody falls through and they're getting like three million somewhere else versus the kind of the minimum, and then remember the part of that gets paid by the league. So somebody could really, really fall through the cracks there at the at the big men spot. So like, well, they could also bring back Anthony Tolliver, who hasn't been a warrior for a long time, but actually has a good relationship with Steph Curry, from what I've heard. Maybe like Amir Johnson. Yeah, I don't I mean, know. It's just kind of like I could see him. I, I, doing it really that. seems like they want to go away from this kind of like you know more ground bond unathletic. Yeah. I could thing. I could see them bringing back Ian Clark, maybe like Corey Brewer. I don't know. There aren't there aren't that many really intriguing players available at the minimum. Well, you you never at this know. Point, especially, I mean, you could see yeah. uh, there as you mentioned, there are guys who fall through the cracks. Right there's uh, like Stauskas. That would actually be kind of interesting. Nah, I, I, he again. That's another guy who like doesn't even have any kind of potential to play against the Rockets. Yeah, but I mean, you can't you can't have fourteen. There aren't fourteen guys that are going to be available that can play against. Well, the but Rockets. you want to at least that's... get a guy who like. If you squint hard and he develops, maybe you could, you know? It's, it's it's a good goal. I think you're right in terms of the mentality. I just think it's good to probably... The, the last couple spots are just not going to be there. I mean, but you could also make the point that Damian Jones already probably has one of those spots. Yeah. So. Jeremy Grant might be another guy they might want who could play some center for them. Uh, that could be... He could maybe be a full mid-level exception... Or full mini-mid-level. I keep making that mistake. Oh, I could imagine Channing Fry if he wants the minimum. That would be another guy who could yeah. kind of come Again, in. an older guy, I think he could help them, you know, limited in the playoffs, but, you know, a guy who certainly can make things easier offensively. Uh, I could see them maybe like going like a Trevor Booker destination as well, just like a guy who can just bring energy off the bench. Like they know they're going to need that. Uh, Brandon Wright might be an interesting one too, actually. Yeah, or Vonley. Yeah, Vonley, I feel, will have a little bit better offer. Um, all right, that's probably enough on that. Anything else we got to talk about, or should we move on to the Kings after? Let's move on. So this has been a, a longer, more rambling podcast, which we've been enjoying, but you won't get any of that with Blinkist. They provide blinks of a book. If you have a long list of books that you want to read about, better yourself, learn more, but you just don't have time, Blinkist has the solution for you. I've gotten a lot of great tweets about Blinkist, and you would imagine that people who listen to this show uh, we have a great community of a lot of smart people who listen to the show and really just want to learn a lot about every subject including the nba that's what we try to give you for this pod and blinkus gives you that by taking thousands of the best-selling non-fiction books and distilling them down to their most impactful elements you can read or listen to them in under 15 minutes all on your phone if you think about it when you read a, a book, especially a nonfiction book, if I asked you to talk about everything that you learned from that book, even you know a couple days later, would you be able to talk about it for more than 15 minutes? Are you really retaining more than 15 minutes of information? No, you know what? You probably aren't. And now you can get all of that stuff in 15 minutes while you're commuting, while you're doing the dishes, while you're mowing the lawn. Maybe you might need some noise-canceling headphones for that, but still possible. Their library is massive and constantly growing. Timeless classics like Think and Grow Rich to current bestsellers like Fire and Fury. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. You can go to Blinkist.com slash Capspace and start your free seven-day trial. That's Blinkist. You spell it B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash Capspace. Use your own slash Capspace. We've been talking about it all the time here on the program. Blinkist.com slash Capspace. Let them know that you came from us with that Blinkist.com slash Capspace URL. Well, we've talked about now, Danny, 
every player except for i guess bomba could theoretically be in the mix too bomba and jackson so i don't want to foreclose the idea that they could be the pick there since we haven't studied them as extensively in sacramento but if you were the kings as of right now assuming you're not trading the pick there's been some reporting they might be interested in trading down who would your selection be at number two assuming as appears to be the case that deandre ayton is off the board going number one of the suns i don't think anyone on sacramento at this point has broken out to the extent that I would move beyond, you know, at least beyond the tier. So, you know, I like some of what we saw from De'Aaron Fox. I thought Bogdanovich had a nice year as well, but I wouldn't foreclose on that. So for me, it's best prospect available, barring something crazy. And of the guys that I've seen so far, to me, the best of those guys is Luka Doncic. So I would go in that direction. I would be intrigued by the fit of him and De'Aaron Fox together, you know, like one guy playing on, one guy playing off. They could also stagger those two guys. But I think Doncic is the best of them, so that's who I'd pick. Yeah, I do think Doncic would be my guy as well, again, with the caveat that Bamba and Jackson we haven't had a chance to look at as closely yet. But interestingly enough, the Kings are actually projected to take Marvin Bagley right now by ESPN. I don't think that's a good idea, Uh, just especially for a team that just has not been able to stop anyone. And we've talked about Bagley's issues with fit in the modern game. Just tough for me to take a a big who you think is probably going to be a minus on defense that high. It's really difficult to do that. So I would say Doncic, not a great fit to me with De'Aaron Fox, with Fox's shooting limitations. He's taken some strides there. And and who knows, he could get to be a lot better. I thought he had a better than expected rookie season shooting the ball. It doesn't look off but still if Doncic is playing on the ball Fox you don't really have to guard him as much off the ball at least at this point in his career he doesn't project to be a plus shooter maybe an adequate shooter but they'd be pretty awesome in transition at least with those two guys and again like you said you know Fox had an okay rookie season I know they really believe in him but to me that's not his presence and not being an amazing fit with Doncic is not a reason not to take him but it sounds like they're just they're they're not really interested in that direction what does their cap situation look like here so by moving george hill for amon shumpert and yeah amon shumpert his 11 million is basically but it might not be dead money but it's it's close enough to it that cleared about 8 million in space so we don't know what's going on yet with garrett temple i expect that he will opt in but i don't know that for sure so if temple opts in they have about 20 million in space yeah. and, and, and by the way quickly, that in- uh temple do 8 million this year and uh costa kufos the other player option do uh eight points he picked his up oh, already. Oh, oh yeah i guess i forgot um yeah and so so it's either 20 million or 28 basically with temple it's also worth noting that they have 5 million in dead money for papa g matt barnes and karan butler good job karan butler picking up your player option one of the smartest decisions any guy's made well and the, and, the fact that they stretched matt barnes was just and Karan Butler was completely insane when last year you know so they could sign instead of taking the hit last year because remember Matt Barnes they signed him to a two-year 12 million dollar deal and then they waived him halfway through the first they year cut him before the player option they cut they cut him during the first year of a one plus one which is remarkable yeah and so Kay. they should if they had just taken that six million dollar hit last year and I mean, they've signed Zach Randolph and George Hill and Vince Carter. Like, yeah, well, that's really helping. You know, well, and be... remember, they had money left at the end of last season. Yeah, that's the other part that they was had. Amazing. I think yeah. was like four million. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what the number was. So the Kings actually only have two true free agents. They have a non-guarantee for Nigel Hayes, but the decision date is so late. The only reason they would let him go is just if they need that space for something. But they have Vince Carter, unrestricted, non-bird. I wouldn't expect to see him back. And I guess he's. 
away, just away at this point. Bruno Caboclo, he is a restricted free agent. I expect that he will not have a qualifying offer extended because if he has a qualifying offer extended, he should just sign it right away. And so he technically has a $7.4 million hold. I did not count that in my estimates because I don't think that will be relevant. Yeah, and Temple as the last possible date for that player option, uh, 629 on whether to opt in. And and I mean, I think financially it would make the most sense for him to opt in, but there's been talk that he just kind of wants to get out of there. Yeah, and something I want to see with these Kings guys kufos included even though he already picked up his option is are they going to just roll the dice that they can leverage a buyout at some point after the year turns over so like in january or february and just get where they want to go so like suck it up for a couple months and just not take the risk and you know maybe leave like a million on the table at that point and go wherever you want that could be that could be an option for them because you know i don't expect it's possible that temple could get eight million or more but you know it is a weird kind of financial risk so maybe he thinks he can play both ways sort of like what Ersan Ilyasova ended up doing. Another thing that looms over this franchise with their 18 or so million in cap space, which could grow to 26 million if Temple were to opt out. They've also got the number one pick on their books for $7.2 million hold as of right now. No 2019 first round pick, which actually is the subject. That unprotected first round pick is the subject of a dunked on shirt. Beautiful purple available at natokenmba.com. Click on the merch tab. One of my favorites. Uh, but with that being the case, I mean, there's no reason kind of not to get better this year other than the fact that, you know, you're still not going anywhere. So you might as well just kind of stay young. I would try to use this. I mean, this is really the best year probably in NBA history to have cap space and try to take on bad money. Now, they could go the direction of restricted free agent offer sheet, try to get in another guy who could be part of their core. And then if that doesn't work, then you you take on the bad money. But that purchasing power probably goes the furthest right at the start of free agency when these teams are trying to clear space so they can use the full middle exception or clear cap space or whatever the case may be. Well, and something worth noting that's going to be very important for the Kings, and I've been trying to log this kind of for every team that we go through that has space, is that Sacramento has up to $65 million in available space in 2019 depending on what happens with a couple of with a couple of circumstances so that goes in both directions some teams could see that and go oh my god like we we don't want to cut in that space but sacramento not you know more of a leverage option than a free agent destination they could be sitting at 65 million and say we're not going to use all of that so then if that's the case then they should be willing to be one of the few teams that is willing to take on multiple year contracts and that's where the real assets are you know is those players that were signed in 2016 who it's basically dead money and so they go to those teams and ask for the world and if somebody gives it to them great if nobody gives it to them you go in a different direction yeah so we we're saying that they should take on that bad money and hope to get i mean one for you know if you're taking on what's the price there if you're taking on a yan mahimi or something like that and, and also what they could do too if temple were to opt in you know, Kufos can still play a little bit, you know, if the Wizards need another center option for Mahimi. Those are probably about it. You know, Zach Randolph as well. Maybe someone would still be interested in Zach Randolph expiring contract in exchange for a guy who's even worse salary and expires in 2020. So they have a few guys they could send back if the construction were more, we'll get you off of some 2019 money. And maybe maybe that, or, or 2020 money. Yeah, 2019 money, I should say. No, next year is 20. Whatever. Anyway. 1920. Yeah. 1920 money is how I use it. Yes. Uh, 
in any event so maybe that could be all right you get a first round pick and then you you're you send out like a randolph or a temple or Shumpert, Shumpert even could be another guy to if they can rehabilitate him maybe he can help a team a little bit but at least he ends after next year so maybe it would be you do that and you get a first round pick in exchange if it's just hey straight up take on yan mihimi i don't know if one first round pick is enough to do that but at some point i think you just sell your cap space to the highest bidder but i i just it is you know we saw last year they had all this space they wasted it basically on zach randolph and george hill and vince carter got absolutely nothing for that other than just simply trading hill and they got i think like a second round pick but they still have to pay shumpert for next year now and remember they got a better record for it which almost killed them except that they jumped up in the lottery right although that wasn't necessarily their fault because they still really sucked (laughs) they just got really lucky in close oh they needed those veterans to get all those close game wins man yeah but in any event you know that wasn't scott perry's plan he's no longer there now he's influential now at the knicks but when you think of all of these off seasons and it was a little bit it made a little more sense when they had cousins that all right we need to actually build around these guys obviously that 2015 trade with hinky was one of the worst trades in nba history but you know at least it, there was a uh, this idea of like all right we got to actually like make the playoffs like we haven't been in the playoffs in a while we have this star who's going to be a free agent last year there was no no point in signing those guys they were clearly in a rebuilding mode although they felt like that maybe they ever like perry's getting lauded because like oh you sign these guys like they're gonna be respectful again uh no they're not so hopefully they perry might have got perry might have gotten a job because of that which is unbelievable yeah completely completely so and whether it's rana Dive, whether it's the management that's been in there doesn't really seem that interested in just like taking on money to, to get future assets but i think that's uh, obviously what they should be doing what about uh door number two if they don't do that and they try to go to the restricted free agent route who would your targets be in that case it's really tough because i think the kings are still a ways away and so even restricted free agents because you're they're getting properly paid generally speaking right now it's like i you know i thought about oh they might have enough money to get to go after aaron gordon or jabari i don't think those guys are really a good fit for them right now well they're 22 and 23 i mean a four-year deal for those guys i I think that's fine like and especially it's fine but then you that takes away flexibility you know like basically unless those guys are awesome the expectation should be that they live up to those contracts not that they blow past it perhaps so but but i still think like those guys at least have some upside you're paying for that of course but you mentioned this for their 2019 it's like they have so all these rookie contracts going forward it's like you might as well have some guys who have some more upside and are on those contracts like i think this would be a great jabari destination like they can't score he would work well at the four and just hope that he pops and you're taking the risk obviously but so be it there's and and i could see them going after aaron gordon he's a not a local kid but he's a northern california kid grew up in san jose and i could imagine vivek caring about that they could also considering their previous infatuation with kentucky bigs maybe go after julius randall i again do not see that as a fit you know i like randall but i like him on a team that is more fully realized where he can kind of fit in yeah and that actually you know has some shooting that would be nice ideally uh, and where, where you can and, play some. i mean I, just to, to go through the roster here 
and they basically have no threes on this roster at all I mean they I guess you could say Justin Jackson but he's a little bit too thin well and they're probably not going to draft one unless they move down right. because it's there isn't really a guy in at that yeah. position I mean Mike you... Porter would I, I mean the the idea of trading down to get Mike Porter might be an interesting one but uh, although I do think that the fact that we haven't seen these like oh like John Gavoni going to uh, take these videos that are edited so he makes every shot you know if we haven't seen him doing that that's not like a great sign to me for his health in terms of like that he's back from this back injury in terms with the athleticism that we expected for him I mean you would think if he was able to do that they would have set that up by now so who knows maybe I'm wrong about that I, I don't even know whether he's gonna like play in summer league or whatever but um yeah I mean if they did want to just get better for next year I don't really see any threes that are going to be interested in coming there unless they just become the Sacramento leverages again for Trevor Ariza. Oh, I'd be so sad for Trevor Ariza if that's what happened. I mean, I guess, I guess that would mean that he wanted to get paid, but I mean... Well, oh. but, but I think they're just... We say the Sacramento leverages because they make yeah. the offer and then he leverages that into a better offer somewhere else where he actually wants to be like, yeah, like Iguodala did last year. And none of the two guards the young two guards really make a ton of sense with De'Aaron Fox like KCP Avery Bradley Danny Green who's older he's 31 I don't I don't really see those guys as particularly good fits they could there will be players that fall through the cracks in this market at basically every position so they could just try to see who who that is and give them an offer they could even front load something like throw more money at them and then have a team option or something but that sort of creativity is not something that i have seen financially from the sacramento front office yeah i don't think there really are any other restricted free agents i would be that interested in going after I mean, they got you know zach levine they got two guards already do i have to say travion graham's name again because <laughs> sure travion graham yeah, david nwaba could be another guy too yeah it might be helpful there just to give him someone who can defend on the wing and play hard but and they definitely need a lot of shooting uh this is funny actually on our template that we have for all these one of the questions i have on there is where are they in the success cycle should they be going for it and uh you wrote next to that my reply is no <laughs> i had to go yet. through the actual magic eight ball ones because I, the original one i had was and was wrong but <laughs> yeah i mean oh holy shit is this the, like they have a like they had a lot of positives overall like i thought bogdanovich had a nice year fox you know came on a little bit late but despite that they were just awful like they're just they're a long way away and there's nothing wrong with that as long as you take the proper lessons and work from it it's unfortunate that they don't have their draft pick next year but i am continually petrified because even though it gives us stuff to talk about having a perpetually bad team i i don't i don't enjoy it as much i like it when they cycle out i, I i'm just sitting there going there every year there are a couple teams where we say oh it's so obvious they should go in this direction and it is obvious and they just don't and I'm going to have Sacramento on that boat until they prove me wrong. They've not made the playoffs since 2000. Another thing we should talk about is a potential extension for Willie Cauley-Stein, the 2015 draftee uh, eligible for an extension this year. He was drafted pretty high, so he's got a big cap hold for next year of about $14 million. I would not be particularly interested in extending him at anywhere close to starter money. I hope that they feel the same way. It would shock me if they didn't. We haven't seen this team, actually. They had drafted so poorly that we haven't actually seen them extend a rookie since demarcus cousin uh, i mean even isaiah thomas left tyreek evans got signed and traded mclemore obviously was a disaster stauskas obviously was a disaster so this would be the first one since then again with centers being kind of a dime a dozen collie sign hasn't proven much to me all right if he wants to sign an extension for like eight million a year or so sure 
but he's not going to do that players just don't do that more of them should i think but players just don't do that so i i would be very surprised if the extension talks end up anywhere profitable i mean well actually no i wouldn't say that i would hope that they wouldn't end up anywhere profitable but you could see him maybe signing for something like 12 million a year and i wouldn't necessarily be very pleased with that uh given what he's shown but maybe maybe he comes in in, in camp and he looks good and you know they extend him right up against yeah i guess that's possible i, I mean he does i will say this about Colley Stein: like he has these delusions of grandeur in terms of his skill level and his usage rate and his posting up but he is almost never I mean, there's been like a few games because they don't even have any threes, not to mention anything resembling a stretch four. He's played next to another traditional big nearly his entire career in Sacramento. And the times that we've seen him on rare occasions, there was one game against the Warriors last year, for example, where he's actually able to be a roller attack the rim in pick and roll and then be a switch guy defensively which is kind of what he was drafted to be he's looked good so he does have some upside still but he's just way too far away from realizing that for me to want to go with like starter type money in an extension for him as of this point especially again given where the center market is and the fact that he really seems to not be able to accept the role that where he's going to be effective and really contribute yeah and you think they're this such a weird situation because they have all of these players who they've you know given given draft picks to and spots and so you're kind of wondering just how this is going to fit if harry giles can actually play you have harry giles scal they're supposedly excited about harry giles that's one reason to go to sacramento Mm -hmm. summer league including whoever they draft number two collie stein costa kufos Zebo, they could draft another big it, this whole thing is just i mean if they draft bagley it's just just so much they just have so much stuff there and it's sort of like the suns where they it, the most important thing at this juncture is separating the wheat from the chaff but they might have so much just stuff that it's hard to actually do that especially because guys like holly stein and scal to me those guys are better at the five than the four and we're just not getting a chance to evaluate them all right i think that's all we got here Uh, anything you want to talk about i'll I'll remind you guys again about my once a year writing at the athletic but anything you want to promote before we depart my orlando magic offseason preview went up i do not know the pistons one might go up soon because Dwayne casey uh was hired so i i kind of fine-tune that one to talk a little bit about some things that are interesting for me there it could also be i have the warriors and Cavs ones that are coming out soon and yeah that's really about it for now i'll probably have more stuff soon enough and i want to thank sonos for sponsoring today's program with father's day coming up sonos and spotify have you covered go to fathersday.sonos.com get a code for 15 percent 15 percent off when you create a custom spotify playlist to send to dad really just let yourself go it's all of the ridiculous stuff that your dad let's put it on that playlist select your favorite artists and the year you were born do the same for your dad spotify will generate the perfect place to bridge the generation gap go to fathersday.sonos.com and get 15 percent off when you create your playlist the playlist generator expires june 17th terms and condition apply at Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy.